It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is New Year's Eve. The knights of King Arthur's court enjoy the Christmas festivities with a grand feast. They exchange gifts with one another, and at the request of Arthur they share stories of adventure. All of a sudden the doors are forced open, and a mysterious figure rides down the hall. Before them is an enormous man on a green horse, with green skin, green hair, and a green axe. He dismounts holding his axe in one hand and a branch of holly in the other. Naturally this intrusion is not taken lightly, and the Knights of Arthur draw their weapons. The Green Knight before them laughs this off, claiming he has not come looking for a fight. Even if that was the case, no man in this room would even come close to presenting a challenge for him. Instead he wishes to share in the festivities with a game, the rules to this game are fairly simple. Anyone who is brave enough may take their weapon and strike him as hard as they desire. Whoever accepts this challenge will get to keep his splendid axe. The only condition the Green Knight sets is that they will meet again in one year and one day, and he will return the blow. A game like this would cause some hesitation. Why would anyone want to play a game that would result in certain death? What is the catch here? The knights remained weary, but King Arthur was not one to shy away from a challenge, and so he was ready to accept. However, Arthur's nephew and the youngest of all the knights stepped forward. Sir Gawain accepted this challenge on behalf of Arthur, eager to prove himself worthy. The Green Knight took no exception to this, he leant over and presented his neck, almost instructing Gawain where to strike. Gawain took his blade, and in one swift strike beheaded the Green Knight. The young knight was given the prestige and recognition he desired, and our story ends here. At least that's what may have happened if the Green Knight was an ordinary man. He neither flinched nor fell despite being decapitated, Instead, he dropped his axe, walked over to his severed head, picked it up and faced the king and queen. In one year and one day, we shall meet again at the Green Chapel, and I shall return the blow, Sir Gawain. He reminded the young knight before riding off, his sinister laugh echoing through the hall. Arthur assured his terrified wife that this was merely a light-hearted game to ease her concerns, but Gawain didn't seem so convinced. He took the axe as a trophy, 
but also as a reminder of his promise to the Green Knight. As the year went by, Gawain continued his duties and took part in several adventures, paying little notice to what appeared to be his impending death. Eventually the day drew close, and Gawain set off to meet the Green Knight in the Green Chapel. On his way he came across a magnificent castle, and in need of rest he decided to enter. The lord of the castle and his beautiful wife were overjoyed to have such an esteemed guest. Gawain only planned on a short rest, but the lord insisted he enjoyed their hospitality until he was fully rested and ready to continue his journey, as the Green Chapel was less than a few miles away. Given what was waiting for him at the Green Chapel, he decided to accept the lord's offer. The only other person of note in the castle was an old hag, who Gawain assumed must have been of some importance by the amount of respect she was given by the servants and the lord himself. The lord was a rather big fan of hunting, and so he made Gawain a proposal. Every day the lord went out hunting, he would give Gawain what he caught, on the condition that Gawain would give him whatever he had gained during the day. He accepted the Lord's challenge, and when he set out for his daily hunt, Gawain was left to explore the castle grounds and rest. However, his day would possess its own challenges. The Lord's wife began with some subtle flirtation, and so in order to avoid an uncomfortable situation, Gawain retreated to his chambers. Unfortunately, she followed and continued her seduction, Trying his best to not offend his hostess but also respects his host, he allowed the Lord's wife a single kiss. When the Lord returned, he presented Gawain with a deer, and in return he was given a kiss. But Gawain didn't mention where the kiss came from. The next day, the Lord set out for his hunt once again, and once again Gawain rejected the advances from his wife. This time he was given two kisses, the Lord returned with a boar for Gawain, and in exchange he was given two kisses, and again Gawain didn't tell him where they came from. The third day begins with the Lord setting off for his hunt. However, when Gawain rejects the advances of his hostess this time, she gives him a golden ring to remember her by. Even this is rejected by Gawain, but she insists that he accepts her sash a wonderful green and gold sash that had been enchanted to protect the wearer from any physical harm. This item Gawain accepted. After all, there was a giant green knight eager to decapitate him. Gawain is then given three kisses, and is made to promise he will keep the gift a secret from her husband. When the Lord returns, he presents Gawain with a fox this time, and in exchange he is given three kisses but Gawain fails to mention the sash that was given to him. The next morning is the day Gawain must travel to the Green Chapel. He ties the sash around his belt, at least now there is a chance he may survive the encounter. When he arrives at the chapel, the Green Knight is already there sharpening his axe. Gawain hesitantly walks over, and as part of their deal presents his neck as he prepares to receive his blow. The knight pulls back his axe and swings, but stops just short as Gawain flinches. The green knight laughs, telling Gawain he thought the knights of Arthur feared nothing. 
The second time the Green Knight pulls back his axe and swings, Gawain bites down and does not flinch. The blow he received most definitely did not match the one given. Strangely, Gawain was angry at the Green Knight for holding back, and so he berated the knight until he did strike him at full force. Luckily for Gawain, the sash given to him appeared to have worked, and the strike only left behind a small wound. Gawain prepared to leave, believing the knight's game was over, but he towered over him laughing, and when Gawain challenged him, he revealed himself as Lord Bertilak, the exact same lord of the castle Gawain had been a guest of. He was transformed into the Green Knight through the use of magic. The old woman he noticed earlier was actually the sorceress Morgan Le Fay in disguise. She had planned the entire game as a way of testing the honour of the Knights of Arthur. The axe would have never caused Gawain any harm, but because he failed to present Bertilak with the sash his wife had given him, the scar from the third strike would be ever-present, a mark of his dishonesty. Gawain kneeled in shame for his deceit, but the Green Knight laughed and told him to stand, reminding him to not hold himself to such unrealistic standards. The fact he honoured his end of the bargain was enough for the Green Knight to call him the most blameless knight in all the land. Gawain returned to Camelot wearing the sash, a symbol of his failure to keep his promise. In honour of Gawain's adventure, the knights agreed to wear a green sash, a reminder to always be honest. The story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is classed as a chivalric romance. It was written towards the end of the 14th century and we don't know who the author was. The poem itself also had no title until several centuries later. Surprisingly, at the time it was written it was received very poorly, whereas today it's a highly revered story that's been studied and adapted in several forms. One of the most famous examples being a translation of the poem by none other than Tolkien himself. What inspired me to go back over this story and make this video was the modern film adaptation that is scheduled to be released around August of this year, which is titled The Green Knight. Watching the trailer, I like the design of the Green Knight himself, but given Hollywood's track record when it comes to adapting classic stories, I'm about as optimistic as a man about to be beheaded by a giant green knight, but I'd love to be surprised. As always, I've been your host, Mythology and Fiction Explained.